Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, What is your father? Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he caught in the temple. But no one arrested him, because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Well, thank you for reading for us, Isaac. Um, Please do keep that scripture passage open. Uh, We're going to be referring to it, and you'll find some space uh, for notes as well in uh, page four of the bulletin. Um, In our Sunday school class today, we talked about participating um, in the service, and uh, one of the things that the video we watched mentioned is uh, is our, I forget how it's described, our kind of screensaver while we're watching uh, or listening to a sermon. So I'm going to be looking at those of you who are there, I'm going to be looking for the screensavers, seeing the expressions on your face while you listen. So I'm not really, no pressure. But um, let me encourage you um, to consider what God says to us. And as we do, let's pray and ask for the Lord's help. Let's pray. And Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is true. Uh, As Jesus says, my testimony is true. And so we pray today that you'd help us to, to understand it. Uh, Lord, help us to understand and believe um, that Jesus is the Christ and believing in him. Uh, help us to have life in his name. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it is hard to believe, but it is Thanksgiving week already. Um, it's time for turkey, uh, for pumpkin pie, for football, and if the kids allow, an afternoon nap as well. Uh, That, of course, means that Christmas is just around the corner. It's always scary. You know, the Christmas uh, shopping always kind of rushes up on us. Uh, Maybe, though, you have your Christmas tree up already, or at least I think it's a tradition in some families to put it up on that Friday after Thanksgiving. 
Um, last night, uh, we were down at the promenade shops for the tree lighting. And I have to say, when you think about it, it's actually a strange tradition, bringing a tree inside your house and covering it with lights. Where did all that come from? Well, apparently, it began back in Germany uh, in the 1500s. That's kind of how it made its way to Pennsylvania. I think the first Christmas tree was in Pennsylvania in the United States sometime around the 1830s. Uh, but do you know the first person to add light? This is curious. Uh, believe it or not, it, it may well have been Martin Luther. Uh, not only did he rediscover the biblical gospel and kick off a reformation, uh, he also started a good Christmas tradition that we continue today. Uh, for over 500 years, Christmas lights have been a thing, and over the years they've multiplied. I'm not sure what Martin Luther would have thought to uh, all of the various light displays that dominate our neighborhoods or our businesses. Uh, with lights all around, though, it's very easy to miss where this idea of Christmas lights comes from. Uh, we take them for granted. Like many traditions, amid the Christmas rush, we miss the reason and what this points to. Uh, why did anyone ever associate lights with Christmas? It's not just because it's dark. No, it's actually because of the passage that we just read this morning. Uh, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And now Jesus obviously is not talking about literal lights. Jesus didn't come so that we could enjoy lights on the parkway. Uh, he's telling us something we already know, that this world is a very dark place. It's full of sin, it's full of sickness, it's full of suffering. It's a world full of chaos, a world full of conflict. All around us, behind the facade of Christmas lights, people are facing the darkness of death, of, of discouragement, of despair. I'm not trying to be a Scrooge and, and ruin your holidays, but let's face the facts. For many people, this is an incredibly challenging time of year. There's so much darkness in the world, and, and, and why did Jesus come? Well, as the light of the world, he actually came to deal with it. And in our text, we see how Jesus does this in two ways. What does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? Well, well our text points us to the fact that he's the light of the world in two senses. Uh, firstly, Jesus' words overcome our confusion. Uh, the light of Jesus' words overcome our confusion. And secondly, uh, the light of Jesus' work overcomes our condemnation. Uh, the light of Jesus' words overcome our confusion. And the light of Jesus' work overcomes our condemnation. Uh, that is what Christmas is about. In fact, it's what Christianity is about. Uh, so let's not miss what the Christmas lights all point to. Uh, firstly, they remind us that the light of Jesus' words overcome the darkness of our confusion. Uh, Jesus' words overcome our confusion. Uh, when Jesus says he's the light of the world, what he means is this, that through his glorious light, God dispels our ignorance. Uh, now, light and darkness are common images when we think of knowledge, aren't they? Uh, we say that someone is in the dark about something. It means they don't know. Uh, or we speak of someone being enlightened. It means they've discovered something important. Uh, so much so that we often refer to the age of scientific discovery as the period of the Enlightenment. Uh, before that, we speak about the Dark Ages. Uh, now, we might wish to question that assessment of human history, uh, but the point is this. Darkness suggests a lack of knowledge. Uh, light is an image of truth. And it's this idea of knowledge and truth that is a huge theme uh, in this passage. Uh, we see it in verses 12 through 21 especially. Uh, look down at, at verse 12 with me. Uh, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. 
Uh, what does Jesus mean by this? Well, the response of the Pharisees is incredibly instructive. Uh, their response reveals their own darkness, we could say. In fact, it also shows us what, what light and darkness means in these verses. But look at verse 13. <clears throat> so the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Uh, and what ensues is really a, bait, a debate all about truth. Uh, and let, follow with me in, in verse 14 and, and detect this theme. Uh, Jesus answered them, e even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. But you do not know where I came from and where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone that judge, but the Father who sent me. Can you see the repeated ideas there? Is what Jesus says really true? Can we rely on what he says? Can we rely on his judgment, his perception, his discernment of reality? When it comes to God, can we really know anything at all? Can we believe what Jesus says? Well, I think it's a very common answer to that question for many people to really give the answer a, a, a big fat no. Can we know God? Of course we can't. Most people believe that anything to do with God is simply subject to speculation. And now very ironically, this is one of the gifts of the Enlightenment to us. Uh, the Enlightenment brought a lot of light when it comes to science, when it comes to medicine and things like that, but but I would say that it, it plunged the whole subject of theology into the realm of deep darkness. And this is why, because people ignore what Jesus says here in John chapter 8. Uh, most of us think that the only way to know the truth is, is through our own reason, through our own experience. I mean, we can figure it all out, can't we? And, uh, and of course, by the grace of God, often we can think about the advances that we've made in science and in technology. It isn't only the, uh, the Christmas lights that would shock Martin Luther, is it? Imagine he traveled through time and, and came today. I mean, what would he make of your cell phone? Uh, he'd wonder if it was some sort of devilish wizardry or witchcraft, perhaps. Uh, but for all of the advances uh, in, uh, in human culture and technology and various things, uh, one thing we can never figure out is God, can we? Uh, and the answer is, the reason we can't do that is because God isn't a thing it's because God is a person. Uh, just try to reduce another person down to a scientific experience. I mean, just see how that goes with a good friend or with your spouse. And God isn't just a person. He's a very great person, the greatest person of all. He made us. He sustains the world. He's over all things. And the very idea that our puny minds could make sense of him is, is the height of ignorance and is, quite frankly, ridiculous. For humans to sit around discussing God is... It is like a pack of dogs taking conference together to figure out humans. I mean, I love our dog, but I suspect she doesn't have much to say about the complexities of the human brain and uh, probably even little more about the intricacies of platonic, platonic philosophy or something. And we're even further removed from God than that, left to our own unaided reason, our own experience. As humanity, we're in the dark about God, uh, that is, unless God himself decides to shine his light upon us. Uh, we need God to reveal himself to us. Uh, and listen, this is the glorious thing, isn't it? This is what God has done. Uh, we see his light in creation itself. And yet in Christ, we see his light in a special way. Uh, in Christ, God himself has come in flesh. Uh, God entered our experience in a way that we can see, in a way that, that we could touch. In Christ, the light of God shines most brightly of all. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Uh, 
Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. A couple of years ago, Sherilyn and I took, uh, took Carissa down to the Crystal Cave in Cutstown. I know many of you will have been there. Uh, it's pretty amazing. If you haven't, you can travel through all these underground caverns. And, uh, of course, there is a very scary part in that tour. Uh, at one point, they turn out all of the lights. And if you've been there, you know what this is like. Uh, you get a taste of true darkness. There's no light at all in there. Uh, the darkness kind of grips you and, and fills you with fear. You, you don't really want to walk around. You don't want to let go of the handrail. You have no idea where you are. And simply one step could cause you to fall into the abyss. And so it is with, uh, with me, says Jesus Christ. Without me, the world is in utter darkness. Without me, all you have is confusion. Uh, and yet we find Jesus' words, the light of Jesus' words, overcomes that confusion. Uh, not only confusion about God, but in one sense, uh, through Jesus Christ, we begin to have light uh, and, and understanding of everything. I mean, his testimony is true in an ultimate sense. He speaks as one who knows. In fact, he is the source. He's God himself uh, explaining the world he made to us. Uh, in Christ, we get God's perspective on life, uh, on death, on everything. Uh, God's perspective on who God is. God's perspective on who we are. In Christ, we discover what life is all about. We discover why we're here. We discover where we're going. In fact, as I thought about this, I thought of at least five areas where, where knowing the Lord Jesus Christ truly changes everything. Uh, firstly, Jesus, through his light, overcomes our doubts. He overcomes our doubts. I mean, maybe you're here today as someone who's filled with doubts. You doubt yourself. You doubt God. You're not even sure if God is there and if he is, whether he loves you. Uh, you're not even sure why you're here in church. Uh, you're confused about life. Uh, where are you going? What is life for? Uh, now, I'm not going to be able to answer all of those questions in a few moments, just to be clear. Uh, but what I want to tell you is this. There is one who will clear up your doubts. I am the light of the world, says Jesus. He is the true light, the only light, the light for everyone. Uh, without him, you will be walking in darkness. You'll just be circling around and around. Uh, all of life's most important questions. Uh, and even as Christians, uh, the darkness of doubt can set in, can't it? Uh, and when that happens, what do we do? Well, we have to come back to Christ. We need to return to him and to the light of his word. Uh, if you're struggling with doubt right now, let me encourage you. Let me even make a suggestion. Uh, over Christmas, spend some time reading one of the Gospels. Uh, become uh, become re-familiar with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, read a, a chapter of John's Gospel, just a chapter every day. That will take you through, uh, through three weeks. Start off on, on December 1st, and then there's even a couple of days if you want to skip one. Uh, read about the Lord Jesus Christ, his compassion, his kindness. Uh, listen to what he, he says about himself. Listen to what he says about you. Uh, look at the extent he was willing to go to to rescue you from your sins. And Jesus is the light that clears up our doubts. But listen, Jesus is the light as well in that he gives us great discernment. He gives us discernment. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, I'm talking about differentiating truth from error, separating fact from fiction. Uh, this is one of the big challenges from our time, isn't it? I, in fact, I was just reading an article about uh, the threat of deep fakes. You know, realistic-looking videos of famous people or politicians saying things, but, but really they were made up. It was all AI-generated. Uh, this is such an important issue today. How do we distinguish information from misinformation? Uh, read the news today, and, and you're struck, aren't you, by just how much the reporting differs from, from the source that you go to. 
And now Jesus doesn't provide us with some sort of social media spam detector. We should be clear on that. Uh, There is no Christian plug-in to TikTok that helps filter out the videos that don't align with a biblical worldview. Although if someone wants to create it, I mean, it would be uh, worth a fortune. Uh, But Jesus does give us discernment. That's the point. In fact, he says this, doesn't he? He says, I judge by what is true. You judge according to the flesh. My judgment is true. Uh, And this is what it means in one sense, that he is the light. If we follow him, he will guide our way. If we know him, we'll know the truth. And his word will give us discernment. And more than that, it'll help us discern something, something key, which is to understand what is really important. Jesus enlightens us to what really matters. And listen, what really matters, at least in my experience, is very, very different from what makes the headlines. That loving God, loving neighbor, that's actually where it's at. And so if you're confused, if you need discernment, well, well this is exactly how Jesus will help you. And actually connected to that is another way. Uh, He gives us uh, light to our doubts and light for discernment, but he also gives us light in our decision-making. Again, Jesus isn't going to tell you in the Bible who to marry or which job to take. But Jesus is God. Jesus made you. Uh, And and he does tell you what life is about. He tells you what life is for. Uh, As I've already said, Jesus lays out God's priorities for you. And maybe you're facing difficult decisions right now. Uh, And my comment to that is don't face that alone. You might want to ask a friend what they think, ask for some advice. But why not ask the God who made you? Uh, As we're facing challenges in life, we need the light of Christ. But we need the guidance of the God who made us. Uh, And even as we face those things, we we also need his help in another way, don't we? Uh, We need his help when it comes to depression or despair, that's also where the light of Christ can help us. And when we're challenged with, with deep darkness of depression, I mean, this came out, I think, so well in, in what Amy shared. We need the light of Christ to help us see up from down and left from right to help us get some perspective. Uh, when, you're, when you're feeling so depressed, it's very, it's very difficult to, to get any sense of reality at all. It feels like you're in a dark cave. You're down there in, in, in those crystal caverns again, uh, and there's very little hope that you'll ever get out of there. In my experience, when you're depressed, your very perception of reality begins to be skewed. Even your relationships begin to become twisted. Uh, your very closest friends begin to appear like enemies. Uh, how does the light of Christ help you at such times? Well, well, let's be clear, this kind of depression is something that many Christians do go through. And yet, how does the light of Christ help? Well, amid the darkness, often Christ is the only thing that you can cling to. You can't trust yourself. You can't trust your own judgment of, of how the world really is. Uh, but you can trust him. And rather than let your feelings be your guide, you can let the light of Christ begin to guide you and likewise the light of christ not only helps with our doubts and with discernment and decision making or with despair but the light of christ also saves us from danger the world is full of danger dangers to our physical health dangers to our souls and when you think about it it's it's very easy to live in fear isn't it fear for ourselves and perhaps even more fear for our children and that's what darkness does it fills us with fear I mean, as I said at the start, you, you rarely hear people uh, being scared of the light. Do you know people are scared of the dark because it, it brings with it this sense of the unknown? Uh, when we can't see, our minds fill in the blanks. We create all kinds of scary monsters under the bed and in the closet. We, we see something evil lurking behind every shadow. 
Uh, and when the light comes, will our fears subside? Why? Uh, because now we see things clearly. Now we know the truth. Uh, well, it, the world we live in is full of ignorance. It's full of fear. And what does Jesus say to this? He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. In Christ, we see God's goodness and grace and mercy. Uh, we see that someone loving, someone all-powerful, someone wise is in charge of the world. And we see his perfect love that Scripture tells us drives out fear. And so are we confused about who God is and what God thinks? Are we unsure about where to go in life and why we're here? Are we fearful uh, that no one really is in charge, uh, that the world is just hurtling out of control around us? Are we unsure what God is doing? Are we unsure where we stand with him? Uh, well, if we want to know the truth about God, Jesus is the one we need to look to. Uh, he is the light of the world. He alone can provide us what we need. Uh, he alone provides us the light of God's guidance. He alone dispels the darkness of our ignorance. That's what Jesus means when he says, I am the light of the world. And this is what the Christmas lights are all about. They show us that Jesus' word overcomes our confusion. Uh, but secondly, John 8 also tells us this. And, and this second point, I think, perhaps might be even more important. That the light of Jesus' work overcomes the darkness of condemnation. Uh, the light of Jesus' work overcomes the darkness of condemnation. Uh, by which I mean Jesus' light deals with not just the darkness of, uh, of doubts and ignorance. Jesus' light deals with the darkness of death. Jesus came to deal with death itself. And here we move from an intellectual concern to one that's really quite existential. Uh, this life will not last forever. One day death will come to each one of us. Uh, and that's not only our own death, is it? Uh, perhaps most harrowing is the prospect of the death of a loved one. Uh, and death really is uh, perfectly described by darkness, isn't it? Darkness is a fitting image for death. When someone dies, their body is still here, but it's like the lights have gone out, isn't it? In the grand theater of life, death is where the spotlight dims and the curtain falls. And this darkness of death casts a shadow on the whole of life. I mean, this is something you discover if you read the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. And now maybe I'm not going to recommend Ecclesiastes for Christmas reading. Maybe that really might uh, discourage you and, and spoil your holidays. Uh, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. I mean, what a motto. Uh, but what is it that renders everything meaningless? Well, the author is clear. Death. Death nullifies our accomplishments. Death severs our closest relationships. Uh, death reveals there's no point in living for stuff because when you die, you can't take it with you. But doesn't it also challenge us, uh, e even when we live for the good things? I mean, when you die, what is going to happen to all of those good memories? Uh, and in 50 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, let's be honest, the small life you've lived, is it really going to have made much of a difference? Uh, death really is darkness. It's the great veil that's over human life. And some of us experience this, maybe over the holidays in particular. Uh, the Christmas light seems so much dimmer due to the loss of someone that you love. Uh, your own poor health or the, the poor health of a loved one causes you to question uh, whether you really want to share the holidays together, whether there's very much to be thankful for, very much to enjoy. Uh, death is like darkness. Uh, but what we see in John 8 is this, that actually death itself isn't even our biggest problem. 
Jesus challenges us in John 8 to question this. We all die, yes, but what happens afterwards? You see, according to Jesus, the problem is not death. The problem actually is not that death is the end. The problem really is that death is not the end for every single human. All death does is usher us into eternity. Uh, And what awaits us there? It's an important question, and I think it's one that we all ask almost instinctively. Uh, What happens when we die? It's a question that's wired into us to ask as kids, although uh, most of us suppress that question as we grow a bit older, don't we? And then we grow older still, and the question comes back with a vengeance. As we face our own death, we want to know what what comes afterwards. What, What comes next? Where will death take me? It's like the story I heard of an unbelieving parent who tried to explain death to their child. A family member had just died, and the young child asked, well, well, where is granddad, or or something like that? Oh, this parent said, he's been buried, and and now he's there. His body's there, feeding the plants. Uh, The child looked at them for a moment and then screamed and ran out of the room, yelling, I don't want granddad to be plant food, because every child knows that death is not the end. And so we need to listen to these words of Jesus Christ with the attitude of little children, don't we? And they are sobering words. In fact, I think we could say verse 21 is perhaps R-rated. Take a look at verse 21 with me and see what Jesus says about what happens after death. Uh, Verse 21, uh, so he said to them, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. You will die in your sin. Uh, Jesus repeats this, doesn't he? In fact, he says it two more times there in verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Uh, What does Jesus mean by this? I mean, the answer actually is clear from the second phrase in verse 21. Where I am going, you cannot come. And now where is Jesus going? That's what the leaders ask, isn't it? They're not picking up what Jesus is putting down. Uh, What do they think? Well, they consider maybe Jesus is suicidal or something. And of course, the great irony is Jesus is talking about his death, not his death at his own hands, but actually at at the hands of the people he's speaking to. But where is Jesus going in this ultimate sense? Well, we find out later Jesus is going to the Father's house. He's going via the cross for sure, but why is he going there? Well, he's going to prepare a place for us. He's going to the Father's house to prepare a place for for everyone who trusts in him. And so what does Jesus mean when he says, you will die in your sins where I am going, you cannot come? Well, actually, I would suggest this might be one of the most shocking verses in the whole Bible. To die in your sins is to die separated from God. It is to die in such a state that the gates of heaven are closed to you. Uh, And this is the true darkness Uh, This is the darkness that faces every single person. Uh, This is the real sting of death. Uh, Death will thrust us into eternity, uh, into an eternity for which we are completely and utterly unprepared. You see, all of us sin, all of us disobey God. Uh, God made us and loves us. He's the loving ruler of the world, but all of us, every single one of us turns our backs on him. Uh, We don't live his way in his world. We don't love him as we should, nor do we love our neighbor. All of us sin. All of us rebel against God. Uh, We do and say things that are wrong, and there are many things that we should do that we don't do. Uh, And so what will come to us when we die? What awaits us? 
And the answer is the judgment of God. In fact, turn back to John chapter 5. At John chapter 5, there are so many places we could go in Scripture to make this point, but look down at John chapter 5, verse 28. John chapter 5, verse 28. Here are the very words of the Lord Jesus. In John 5, 28, Jesus says this. Do not marvel at this, he says, for an hour is coming when all who are in their tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And surely what Jesus means is this, for every single one of us on that final day, there is going to be a reckoning. And back in chapter 8, Jesus tells us where that reckoning will lead. Uh, Listen again to to John chapter 8, verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. You will die in your sin. What What an amazing statement. I mean, I heard one preacher make this point. You never read these words on a gravestone, do you? What do you read on a gravestone? Rest in peace. Forever in our hearts. He died in hope. Never he died in his sin. Although too often, this is the sobering reality to which Jesus points. No place in heaven, no room in the Father's house where I am going, you cannot come. And no seat at God's final feast. Now, this is the true darkness that confronts humanity today. The darkness of death, yes, but, but not just earthly death, death, eternal death. What Jesus himself calls being cast into outer darkness. And yet this is the point at which the true light, the good news of Jesus Christ, truly shines. Uh, What does Jesus say? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Instead of facing death, he will have the light of life, eternal life, through him. Why? What is the answer to death? Uh, What does Jesus do that actually changes where we can spend eternity? Well, the point is, uh, just as we've seen Jesus' words overcome uh, the darkness of our doubts, now we see that Jesus' work overcomes the darkness of death and the threat that it brings to us. Uh, This is the point of verse 28. Uh, Look at what Jesus says in verse 28. Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. What is Jesus talking about? Well, well, who is this Son of Man? It's the way that Jesus refers to himself. But what is this, this being lifted up? Well, it, it's a little bit ironic. Uh, the word means to be exalted. And yet there is no doubt that Jesus is referring to his crucifixion. In fact, for another cross-reference, turn back to chapter 3, John chapter 3, with me. Because Jesus has used this phrase before. Uh, and as you turn back there, let me explain something about the context. I've been holding this back, but it's interesting to note where Jesus spoke these words, I am the light of the world. Uh, In Jerusalem, they're celebrating a great religious feast. Uh, Jesus was attending uh, in Jerusalem the Feast of Tabernacles. And now the Feast of Tabernacles had all kinds of uh, traditions, just as we do for Christmas and Thanksgiving. Uh, It was a festival where there would be uh, a celebration focused on light. Uh, The city would be plunged into darkness and, and a light would be paraded through the streets. And what is Jesus saying? Well, he's saying, look at that light. That light is me. Uh, But of course, we need to remember what that feast pointed back to. Uh, That feast looked back to God's provision to Israel in the wilderness. Uh, As Israel celebrate God's provision in the wilderness, what does Jesus say? Well, he's already said something important back in chapter 6. 
Uh, Jesus said he was miraculous bread, God's provision from heaven. Uh, Then in chapter 7, he said another thing. He said that he alone can provide living water. And now he says he's the light of the world. He's the one who guides his people like a pillar of fire or a pillar of cloud through the darkness of the wilderness. And now he tells us he's going to be lifted up. It's another reference to Moses, isn't it? Look down at John chapter 3, verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Just as the serpent turned away the curse, so Jesus has come to die to turn away the curse from us. In fact, the very next verse makes the point, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Uh, Can you see what Jesus means? Unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. Uh, Apart from my salvation, where I'm going, you cannot come. Apart from Christ, we're in the dark about God. But even worse than that, apart from Christ, we're estranged from God. And what awaits us is his wrath and judgment. Uh, But Jesus is the light of the world. And the reason he came is to overcome our darkness. And so we need to remember this, don't we, when we light up our Christmas trees. Uh, That this is what the light is all about. It's not just about creating a a fuzzy feeling, a nice Christmas mood. And no, it's about Jesus Christ, the light of the world. It's about how the light of Jesus' word overcomes the darkness of our confusion. And it's about how the light of Jesus' work, his work on the cross, overcomes the darkness of God's condemnation against us. And so will we come to him? Will we believe in him? Will we follow him? Or are we content to live in darkness? Will you come to him and know the light of life today? In fact, let's go to him now. Please bow your heads and let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much uh, for the light of life that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you that through him we can know you, we can know the truth, that his testimony is true, uh, and we thank you that In him you have overcome the darkness of death. We thank you that we can know forgiveness and life through him. And so we pray that you would work in each of our hearts today. Help us to believe in him. Help us to follow him. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.